This is Floyd Hughes, pastor of Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. I just wanted to share about my new book, Act Like an E-Christian. The E stands for evangelical. And despite what you may have heard, evangelical Christianity has nothing to do with politics. It has to do with the reason the body of Christ exists, sharing the gospel. My book, a devotional based on the book of Acts, prayerfully encourages Christ followers to return to our evangelical roots of sharing the gospel with folks in our circles of influence. It's available on Amazon in paperback and for Kindle, and you can pick up a copy today. Thanks and God bless. You're the coolest. No, you're the coolest. No, you're the coolest. Okay, I'm the coolest. I am Pastor Floyd Hughes from Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills, and with me is... Mark Berkshire with Berkshire Ministries in Fairchance, Pennsylvania. And uh, since we're about to roll into Thanksgiving, uh, before we get to our topic, we're going to hit two topics this morning. One, we're about to roll into Thanksgiving, so uh, we as the church definitely have so much to be thankful for, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. But then two... Even though we have so much to be thankful for, people continually complain and state that the church is being persecuted. So we're going to go back to a topic we've talked about before, talk about what true persecution looks like and what the persecuted <laughs> church, the true persecuted church is going through. So we're going to start off and I'm going to ask Mark to share uh, um some of the things he shared at a message he did at Crossroads a couple of weeks ago uh, about being thankful. Okay. And I started the whole message off with the fact that we have lost our ability to be thankful for anything. Um, it, at least that's what it looks like and what it feels like is that, you know, we have so much death because of the, coronavirus, so many things going on, so many financial problems, so many uh, problems in general, that it is just hard to find something to be thankful for. And I suggested that there were three things we can always be thankful for. And there's a lot more than three. I only named three. Um, number one, we can always give thanks to God because he is good and his character is good. God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and, and forever. He will He will always be good. He never, never changes that. We can't lose his goodness to us. And, and the, the thing about his goodness and his character is that plays out on both sides. He is just as good to the sinner as he is to the believer. He can't, he can't be one or the other. He is good all the time to both saved and unsaved people. Amen. Secondly, that we can always uh, be thankful because his love does endure forever. Um, you know, we have a funny idea of love in our culture. It's, I will love you until you do something bad to me and then you're out of here. I don't want anything to do with you. And God's not like that, and I'm glad he's not because I screw up on a daily basis, and if it was that way with me, I would be out of here. He would he would be out of here, and I would be left to fend up for myself. So 
we always can be thankful because his love endures forever. Um, and, and, it, and his love was so great for us that he sent his son to die on the cross for us. And that was the, the ultimate love act that God did for us. Um, and then finally, that um, we can be thankful because God's faithfulness never ceases. Even though we may be going through a problem and we don't see the end of it, God does. Hmm. He will faithfully get you to the end of that situation. It may not turn out the way you want it to, but he will always be the one to get you through whatever fire you're going through. Amen. So those were the three things I pointed out on on that sun the sun two weeks ago at your church. So uh, typically most people would, and and we do this at our church. We do it at our family. We do our dinner table, share what they're thankful for, um, you know, going into the season of Thanksgiving. Uh, So before we move on to the persecuted church, I wanted us to take a chance and just share what are some things that other than the three things you said, obviously we're all should be, if we're not, if you're a Christian, you definitely should be thankful for the love and, and grace of God and for his forgiveness, his mercy and his faithfulness, even when we're not. But outside of that, uh, what are some things that we're thankful for? Cause I think you started this saying that, yeah, we, we get to a point where we feel like we have nothing to be thankful for. Mm-hmm. And it's only this one time of the year. I don't see them. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't see these Facebook posts in January. I don't see them during the summer uh, I don't I don't see any other time of the year where people are like, you know, every day, here's the things I'm thankful for. But yet we have so much to be thankful for. Yeah. One of the things I was looking at when I was preparing the sermon, and I think I may have even mentioned it that Sunday, is I think we ought to get into a habit of starting a grateful jar. Hmm. And every day, the two or three things Every day at the end of the day, put two or three things written down on paper into that jar that you were thankful for for that day. And then at the end of the year, pull them out and see how well and how good and how faithful God has been to you throughout the year. Okay, so I'm going to digitize that. (laughs) (laughs) I did that for a couple of years running. And I think the last one I have is from 2019. And maybe that's because 2020 pandemic really felt like, huh? but um, where uh, I would do the same thing, but I would just using a note app, make a note. Oh, I'm thankful yeah. for this, this day. I'm thankful for this on this day. I'm thankful for this on this day. Um, why did my camera just stop? I don't know. I was just going to say, I lost you. You're, Okay, there we go. And I, I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for this. And then at the beginning of the next year, I would just read through all the things like note after note after note of what I'm thankful for. And yeah. it's such a uh, different perspective than from where we are right now where the church is today. So uh, whether you do a jar, that's great. Whether you just use a note app and every day keep a note. That's great. But yeah, I think we need to get back into recalling and being grateful um, and, and, and focusing on all that God has blessed us with. 
I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. And sorry, my puppy is acting up. Um, and I'm grateful. There's so many things that I'm grateful for daily that I can't, I couldn't go in a list because list would be too exhaustive. It would just, you know, be too, too, too much. Um, but I would say, number one, I'm thankful that I have, I still have health. When the doctors told me that I would be deteriorating in health rapidly, um, and I haven't been, so that's kind of a good thing. And I would say I'm extremely just grateful for uh, my church family. I'm extremely grateful for my family, definitely grateful for my wife that God has given me, but uh, extremely grateful for my church family. Who, uh, they are extremely supportive, encouraging, and uh, a little piece of me kind of cries inside. And I mean, you see this as well as I do. Yeah. Every time we see the notes in one of the pastoral groups about just something bad or a board doing something crazy or, you know, a church yeah. church running off a pastor or firing him and just some, all the crazy stuff. And it's not like we only see that once a quarter or once a month. It's like several times a week we see this and it's, yeah. and every time I am just so grateful and so blessed and so thankful uh, that God has brought me to the congregation that he's brought me to. Um, and I don't care what size they are. I don't care about any of that. I just care that we're doing what God has called us to do. So I am so grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, that family is a very thing, a very good thing that I'm grateful for too. Um, 2020 wasn't very kind to my family. It, we got through it by the grace of God and it, and, and we all know it was God who got us through it. Yeah, uh, I'm very thankful for that. Um, I'm also thankful for the fact that, um, you know, he, even though with all of the expensive stuff that's out there now, I mean, you go to a grocery store and get one bag of groceries and it's 50 bucks um, and you don't even buy name brand stuff. Um it can be depressing, but he's still providing money and providing items for me to purchase. So we need to be thankful for that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I went on a tirade from the pulpit one Sunday morning, just about how from one week to the next, a pound of beef went from, you know, $2 and change for a pound of beef to the next week. It was almost $9 for the same pound of beef. Yeah. And that's just ridiculous. It's crazy. And there are families now who may not be able to feed their, you know, their their families because the price went up 400%. That's ridiculous. That should not happen. And that's not the only product. And let me calm down because I feel like I'm going on another tirade. So, <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, we are grateful and definitely grateful that there are congregations out there that are trying to do their best to help feed families, uh, not just during the holiday season. Um, that's great. The families that, hey, we're going to buy you a turkey so you can have a Thanksgiving meal. I'm not putting those down. What's better are the congregations and people that are like, hey, we're going to find ways to feed people with food banks and help and support all year long. Yeah, uh, Definitely grateful for all of those people and all of those volunteers who support 
organizations like that. Which brings us to the question, is it possible that because people in the American church don't focus on what they're grateful for or what they're thankful for, uh, don't spend time to reflect on that and give God the glory he gives for blessing us, that we think that we are so persecuted now when in truth we're not? I think that plays into some of it. Um, a good part of it, actually. Um, we have been spoiled in the American church um, because we don't face the fear of going to jail for our faith. We don't fear um, dying, physically dying for our faith. We don't fear losing everything that we've ever known about ourselves for our faith. We have it we have it to where if if someone hurts my feelings in my church, I'll just go to another church. And and that's not the way it is in the persecuted church and that shouldn't be the way it is in our church. So, would you say that um the definition of like the persecuted church, not necessarily where you are, but that that persecution is not people talking bad about you yeah. or um, I know I'm going to get some feedback for this, but not just, you know, the government saying, hey, there's a play you guys can't meet on Sunday unless you have, you know, this minimum number or whatever. But it's more the physical jail, beating, death, um, physical uh, stuff that comes at you for your faith. Yeah, exactly. That's I, I would I would define persecution as um, anything. Christian persecution takes place, but is any hostility that you experience. And I mean hostility, not just name calling, not just, I mean, beaten our house burnt down, church burnt down, any hostility that targets you for your faith. So hostility, we're not talking about so-and-so spoke bad about me on Facebook and left the Facebook no. group and, and, and that kind of thing. And I'm not saying that that's okay, but I'm, I'm trying to differentiate. Yeah. Hostility. Hostility would be like somebody coming at you with a gun and shooting you because of your faith. Someone coming up and, and putting a fist in your face because of your faith. Um, somebody that won't let you have um, the things that you need, a job, um, you know, car to get back and forth to work because of your faith. Those are hostilities. Getting called a Jesus freak or getting called uh, something because you pray before your meal at a restaurant or getting called uh, a name because of the church affiliation you go to is not persecution. It's harassment. It's not persecution. Um, persecution is a very real thing, and it is in... It is in over 50 countries around the world. 
And I would say there are some forms of persecution here in the United States that is, is going on, but it's not as widespread as some of these other nations are. Um, because in Matthew, when Matthew, in, uh, <coughs> when Jesus is on the Sermon on the Mount, hold on one second, I'm grabbing my Bible. Um, in Matthew 5, Jesus has just given his, his Sermon on the Mount speech or sermon. And um, he comes to the, the last um, beatitude, what we call beatitude. Sorry, it's taking me forever to find this. And um, in verse 10, he said, um, Blessed are you when they reveal or and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for your sake. That's one type of persecution. That is an emotional persecution. It is not a physical persecution. It's something that every one of us will go through at some point in our life. We will all go through some kind of an emotional persecution the Bible says we are to be happy about that. Jesus said, be happy because you're going through that for his name's sake. And it says, be in the next verse, it says, be exceedingly glad and great is your reward in heaven. And then there's the actual physical uh, persecution where you may lose your life. You may uh, beat up. You may end up in prison for the rest of your life because of your faith. That is a physical faith or a physical persecution that we will, that some people go through. We so are that blessed, we are blessed that we don't live in a country where that has happened yet. Yeah. So I was going to say, so the persecution that we're talking about doesn't necessarily have to come from the government, right? It can come from any no. uh, individuals or, or any group of people uh, or people from another faith who are opposed to you because of your faith. Right. And, and here's, a, here's an alarming statistic. 80 to 85% of all the persecution that is going on around the world is coming from family members against family members, not government against the person. Hmm. And that is because if I, for example, if I'm a Muslim or a Hindu, and my family's all Muslim or Hindu, and I come to Christ, they put you out. You lose everything. They will beat you. They will slap you silly. What do you mean? This is just a phase. Bath over it. And they will put you out as a family member. And you will not have the family to be a part of. Um, there was a boy, a little boy in India. His family was strict Hindu. Preacher came visiting to his school one day and shared this man named Jesus was able to save people and heal people, and he was he was the true Messiah. This boy at nine years old realized that this was the true Messiah, gave his heart to the Lord, gave him a Bible. They sent him home that night. He was so excited about his newfound faith. He had to tell his mom, had to tell his dad. His dad, at nine years old now, 
his dad threw him out on the street with just his Bible and said, wow. if you're going to follow that God, then you're not going to be living in this house. And from age 11 until his adulthood, he lived on the streets in India. And he, he was, he, he had to fend for himself. He had to make do for himself and all that. And he, he got to the point where he put himself through college. He went to school, never quit school, went to school, put himself through college. And he started a church. And one night he was preaching and this old man came through the back door, sat down on the back pew. And it was his father. His father had come to Christ and they're now doing ministry together in India. Wow. So here, here's my question. Cause that's, that account makes me, I was going to say story, but it's not a story. It's a yeah, literal it's an account. It's a actual account of what happened in somebody's life. Why is it that like, I've, I've heard you share numerous accounts of people from the persecuted church. I've actually started following some of the, uh, uh, things that you post in your group and some of the things that I get from uh, Open Doors and other organizations to help me pray more for the persecuted mm -hmm. church because we're, we're kind of oblivious to what's going on there. But what I see, and maybe you can help us understand this, is why do people in the persecuted church, the actual persecuted church, where their life, their limb, everything is put at risk, their livelihood, still stand up for Christ? And here in America, when someone just looks at you wrong or says a bad thing, people are like, well, I'm, that's it. I'm done with the church. I'm done. I'm not going anymore. Uh, you know, pastor didn't say the thing I wanted. He wouldn't let me do the ministry. All, all these reasons. And people just walk away under not persecution, literally just not getting their way. Mm-hmm. Because for most of the persecuted church, when they come to Christ, it's not just walking up front and giving your heart to Jesus. When they come to Christ, it is a lifetime commitment. They know it's going to change their lives. They know that things are going to be different because of their faith. That's the one, I think, the one thing that we do not understand here. They know what it means to take up your cross and follow Jesus every day. We, we kind of skip over that verse. In and who do, you, who do you think is at fault for that not happening? It is the pulpit, 100%. Yeah. We're, if we're not teaching it, if we're not telling people, if we're dangling this, hey, uh, and and no disrespect to those pastors that are like, hey, if you, you know, uh, bow your head and say this prayer, you'll become a Christian. Um, but if that's all they are understood is expected of them, yeah, then yeah, we're we're not doing our jobs. We get fire insurance. That's what most Christians in America just get fire insurance. We, we, we love Christ enough to not burn in hell. And most Christians, and, and the other thing, think about this. Most of the persecution is overseas. And 
in Africa and, and, and Middle East and places like that, because we are only like a fraction of the percentage of the whole population of the world. Yeah. So, I mean, why persecution has been going on since the day Cain and Abel. And so it, it, it only makes sense that there would be more of it there than there are there is here. But that doesn't excuse us from not learning about it. It doesn't excuse us from not reaching out and praying for those who are being persecuted. That should give us more reason to be thankful that we're not in those countries, but to pray for those who are in those countries and in those situations. So from, from the American standpoint, um, and again, I'm not trying to make it sound like we're coming down on America. No. Uh, we're not. Um, um, but I think we have it so good that we have, I think you said earlier, become spoiled mm-hmm. um, in our Christianity uh, to where when someone looks at us wrong or if we don't get our way, then we feel like, okay, I'm being persecuted um, and, and want to, you know, pick up our ball and bat and leave and say, we're done. Uh, so uh, for the people that are in the American church, we'll talk about those in the persecuted church in a minute, people for in the American church, what are some of the things that we can do to help us understand that some of the stuff that we're dealing with isn't necessarily persecution as we've just, you know, kind of talked about it and defined it. Number one, search your heart. David says, search me, O God, and see if there's any evil way in me. Search your heart daily. Am I, and ask yourself, am I truly living up what it means to be a Christ follower? Am I loving others like Christ loved others? Am I loving Christ as he deserves to be loved? Um, Commitment is the biggest, I think that is the biggest problem in America today is commitment to everything. I mean, but especially to God. Mm, yeah, yeah. You know? But commitment is is the is a big problem in America. No one wants to be committed to anything. Marriages, the people that are married don't want to be committed to marriage. People who are who are um, you know a job, they are not committed to the job because they can always find another job. Um, Christians aren't committed to Christ because we can always find another church that will fit our our fancy better than the one we're in. Yeah. So commitment, I think, is the thing. So that's why I say pray and ask God to search your heart, to start with your heart. This is a relationship of hearts. It's not a relationship of minds. It's not a relationship of bodies. It is a relationship of heart. Is my heart completely and fully 100% sold out God. If it is, then I'm in my Bible as much as I can be in my Bible. I'm on my knees or walking around, if you prefer walking around like I do, praying. I'm doing that 
quite often, not just in the morning, not just at night. I'm doing it throughout the day. And if, if we're not doing that, then is our commitment at the level where it needs to be be sold out for Christ? Yeah, and I'm going to add to that that um, I'm I'm not trying to sound le sound legalistic, but I'm going to add to that: go to church, go go yeah. to a Sunday celebration. The, the 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 word church literally means the ecclesia, those called into a public assembly. And I'm not saying you can't do it online; you definitely can. But I am saying. The idea is we're supposed to be a part of a plurality, a fellowship, a community of believers. And when we're not, this is where we get, and I'm going to go off on a tangent, so forgive me. This is where we get all these people with these ludicrous ideas about how the church is supposed to work. Yeah. Uh, I spent the last probably three days talking with people who are just, I mean, coming for my life uh, because they say I am not promoting um, the Jewish feasts and the Old Testament law. And I'm like, well, we're not under the Old Testament law. And I'm like, how can you say that? I was like, because the Bible says so. It literally yeah. says you are no longer under the law, but because they've been, I don't want to say brainwashed or whatever into this Old Testament theology of, that we must live under this Old Testament law. And I'm I'm, 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 my heart breaks for people like that mm -hmm. because they honestly, someone told them that this, they didn't open the word of God and come to this conclusion for themselves. Someone yeah. pulled out verses and formed an argument and fed it to them. And it yeah. didn't happen in a Bible believing, Holy Spirit filled church of God amongst the community of believers who were digging into the word of God. It happened in somebody's, and there's nothing wrong with house churches, nothing at all, but it happened as they were sitting with a group of people in someone's living room who just shared, this is what I believe. Yeah. And here's the reason why I, 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 I believe that. And, and it's leading people astray. And it's also leading people away because I'm sorry, and I'm no disrespect to, to people who call themselves Christians, but if you are depending upon the Old Testament law, you are not a Christian. Right. Number one, you can't send sac you can't bring sacrifices to the temple, so you're not obeying the law. You unless you're going to jail, you're not stoning children who disobey their disobey their family, so you're not obeying the law. There's a whole list of things that they're not doing and not able to do. And you're literally not saved by the law. That's not why it was created to save you. So I, I, I think we, we, we need that. And I don't want to get like legalistic and ritualistic and be the pastors. Like you must be in the church. You got to go to church. Like we we're talking about right. uh, during the Bible study with Bible that, cause that's, that's not where I am, but uh, you need the fellowship of believers who can check our heart and our spirit and whom the Holy Spirit can speak to us through to say, Hey, you're, you're, you're leaning a little too far left or a little too far right or a little too far away. And I don't mean left or right politically, but away from the path that God wants you on from understanding his word. You need that fellowship. And because we have uh, trivialized that fellowship and the church and the body of Christ, 
that's why we have all this dissension and misunderstanding right. and people believing they're persecuted when they're not. Sorry, I went off on a tirade, but that just... No, yeah. and, and it ties in with the two, though. That's, that's part of all of this. Um, sorry. It's just... We get focused on rituals. Every church has their own rituals. We focus on the rituals instead of focusing on the rich man, Jesus Christ. Um, you know, that's why Francis Chan was visiting China a couple of years ago and he was visiting a, a small Chinese church home and they told him that if, if the door is busted open, just start running. You know, just don't stop, just run. And he says, why wouldn't I just stop and tell him I'm not a Christian? And and the two teenage these were teenagers he was visiting, and he says they looked at him with this real serious, unfounded look and said, Why would you ever do something like that if when you received Christ and he has changed you? Why would you say not a Christian. That's what a lot of people in, that are sitting in churches are doing today. Yeah. They want their cake and they want to eat it too. Yeah. So what are some things, and we've, we've, we've talked about this before, but uh, lay them out again. What are a couple of things that we can do to be of help, to be of aid, uh, to support, uh, to bring awareness to the actual persecuted church? Number one, and you know what I'm going to say, but this is their number This is their number one request. When you talk to a persecuted Christian, the very first thing they tell you, they ask you to do for them is pray for them. They don't ask for money. They don't ask for clothing. They don't ask for get you out of the persecution and they don't want you to pray that they get you that they get out of persecution what they want you to pray for is that god would see them through the persecution that they could be a witness for him to their persecutors that's what they want so prayer is very vital in their lives and in our lives um to reach out and and uh involved in letting others know about the persecuted church um and now i'm probably going to go on a tangent but I, I, I have to say it we're talking about boycotting the olympics this year um because of economical reasons if we are going to boycott the, the olympics in beijing it should be because of the persecuted Christians and their the way they are treated, not because our gas is $25 a gallon. Yeah. I'm being sarcastic there, but you know what I mean? Yeah. You know? Um, so anyways, reach out and, and, and let people know, bring the awareness of the persecuted brothers and sisters to the to the front lines of your life. Um, thirdly, reach out to organizations like 
Voice of the Martyrs, Open Doors, International Christian Concerns. Um, my organization, Mark Berkshire Ministries, this is 90% of what I do is for the persecuted church. Um, and the sad thing is, I can't get churches in America to let me come and talk to them about the persecuted church because they don't want to give up their Sunday time. So pray for that, <laughs> that I get opportunities. But uh, pray, pray, you know, reach out to organizations and say, how can we help? How can we, it may be as simple as uh, packing a care package to some of the persecuted believers. They don't have Bibles. They don't have a lot of medical needs they have because when they become Christians, they are cut off from all social and economical help the country may have they're cut off from it so maybe they need something that we can find out and we find that out through the organizations that i just mentioned open doors some murders um, international christian concerns they all three have uh, people on the ground in most of these countries that will be able to get aid to them um and then uh, just just love persecuted church just love on them. Um, and there's many different ways we can show our love. I don't want to go into all of them, but one is just telling their story. Telling their story. I find it, I talked about that about this Sunday at my church at Terry Tree Christian Missionary Alliance Church. Pastor David was talking about the joy of persecution. Because in those Beatitudes, it says, be exceedingly happy. You come under persecution because your reward in heaven is great. One thing that is never missing from a persecuted believer is their joy. Hmm. They always have joy. And their joy is because they have the eternal hope of the Father that says, one day I'm coming after you and you won't have to go through any more persecution. So they believe God and they take God for his word. So those are some of the things. And uh, I just want to point out, we had this, I don't think we've said it here. I know we were talking about it before, but many of the problems that we have in a church in America, we already said not persecution, but before I think you and I were talking and we said that we caused most of those problems ourselves. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Most of the problems that are in the church today are ones that we cause ourselves uh, either because we, you know, don't adhere to the word of God or we twist the word of God or we don't preach the word of God or we do something uh, and it results in a lot of the problems that we are seeing in the American church today. But so we can pray for the persecuted church, uh, reach out to them, make awareness, uh, love on them. Anything else before we wind down? Um, those are the big ones. I mean, those are the big ones. I, I would suggest that if, if you haven't heard about the persecuted church, don't know much about the persecuted church, talk to your pastor, say, hey, what is this all about? Can we get somebody in here that will tell us what they're going through what, what we can do and um yeah just just make it make people aware of what's going on all right that's one of the reasons why we wanted to uh kind of bring this up 
on the podcast to make the uh, four or five of you that actually listen to us yeah. <laughs> aware uh, the, aware of two things. One, that the church in America is not persecuted. Uh, we have issues. We have problems. A lot of them we cause ourselves. A lot of them we can get past by just being the church, actually doing what yes. God calls us to do. But also uh, to bring awareness to the actual people that are going through pain and misery and loss of life, business, family, hardships, imprisonment because of their faith in God. And yet still they do not waver. Uh, those are the people, in my opinion, that should be heroes to us. Uh, not the people that make Christian movies or make Christian music uh, or, or whatever those are the people that should be heroes to us, that we should be looking up to, that we should be telling our children about, that we should be, uh, not that we're worshiping or celebrating them, but we're sharing their stories, talking about them, and praying for them, as you said. Um, yeah. And, and I could sit here all day and go through story after story after story about what some of these believers endure. Um. And it would, it would be heartbreaking in most cases. Like I said, the biggest thing is they're praying, they're asking us to pray that they don't the persecution taken off of them, but that they would be able to endure through the persecution. Um, I believe persecution of that level is probably going to come to the United States before it's all said and done. Matter of fact, I know it is during the tribulation for sure. There will be persecution all around the world. I think before even the rapture, we will see a, a tiny fraction of that kind of persecution in the United States. And that's the other thing that we need to, to bring when we're asking about persecution in, in the United States. Be aware that this could happen to us at any day. It yeah, could it, happen here at any time. Yeah, it's not happening right now, but it could and, and I'm going to say this, and I'm not trying to be political. If it does, it's our fault. Exactly. Because we allowed it to happen. Uh, we are one of the blessed nations where uh, laws and whatever don't get made except by people who we put there to make them. Yeah. So if we're seeing laws that are being made and things that are being done that are contrary to the will of God, and we continue to allow it to happen, it's our fault. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I agree 100%. All right. So that being said, uh, I'm going to ask Mark to pray. Uh, and before he does, let's just, uh, I think we both want to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving. Um, pray that you have time with your families and with your friends and uh, that you take the time to just give God the glory he deserves, be thankful and grateful. And also, Take the time to tell others about your God, what he's done in your life. So yeah. I'm going to ask Mark to pray, and then we'll be done. Father, once again, we just thank you and praise you for who you are. We thank you for your character and that it is, it is a character that is good and um, loving and faithful to us. And, Father, as we come into this Thanksgiving season, we want to be thankful for what we have as an American. We also want to um, 
ask you that you would give us what the persecuted church around the world has, and that is the joy of knowing you and knowing that no matter what, you have them in the palm of your hands. And Lord, I just ask that you would help us to reach out and be more of a, a um, prayer warrior for the persecuted church. Help us to be more involved in getting the message out about our persecuted brothers and sisters and help us to just um, focus on you because that is what they are focusing on and that's what we need to be focusing on in jesus name amen amen